0: phase electric studios from the first step to the final phase industrial and
1: commercial electrical done right casey hendrickson and good afternoon thank you for tuning in news talk 95 3 michiana's news channel i am your host casey hendrickson there is a uh well a ton of stuff to talk about a ton of stuff to talk about which we again it's it's a monday with a busy cycle And we're not nearly going to get to all of it. But we have to address the speaker stuff, so we're going to spend some time on that. Uh, We'll shift into some local stuff and state stuff as well. And I've got a couple of things that are going to be happening with regularity for the 2023 year. And I'm pretty excited about it, which includes you having somebody from the legislature on this show every single week to talk about what's happening. So going to be some really cool stuff that are coming in for the audience here this uh, this year. All right, so let's just start off. McCarthy is speaker. It took 15 votes to get there. Um, there was some funny drama. I really think that there's just one individual who beclowned themselves through this whole process. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on. <clears throat> so here's, what, here's basically what they got. This, there's some extra stuff to it, and they're voting on the rules package today. But there's, here's basically what they got in concessions from McCarthy. Any member can call for a motion to vacate the Speaker's chair, meaning if McCarthy's not doing his job, it only takes one member to go ahead and basically say, I want him gone. It was five. Okay, it's now one. A McCarthy-aligned super PAC, the Congressional Leadership Fund, agreed to not spend in open Republic primaries in safe seats. This is huge because McCarthy already used that To his advantage to get only his supporters elected while actually costing the GOP other races by steering money away from good candidates because they didn't want to support him for Speaker. So that was a big concession. One of the great ironies here is that the strategy that McCarthy engaged in in the midterm election to secure his position as Speaker is actually what jeopardized the midterm election and put him well through 15 rounds of voting instead of getting it on one or two. The House will hold votes on key conservative bills, including a balanced budget amendment, congressional term limits, and border security. Uh, Efforts to raise the nation's debt ceiling must be paired with spending cuts. Uh, It will move 12 appropriations bills individually. Excuse me, not 12, I2 appropriations bills individually. My bad. That's the font. Instead of passing separate bills to fund government operations. I'm looking at them like 12 doesn't make any sense. It's like I2 makes more sense. Okay. So it's a big concession. These are huge. I mean, these are absolutely massive concessions here. Um, Lauren Boebert had sent uh, something out. She goes, House conservatives have delivered a massive victory for the American people by fundamentally changing the way that Congress will operate. We changed the way bills will be passed. We changed the way the government will be funded. We changed the way committees will be formed. We secured votes on term limits, a, the fair tax, the Texas border plan, and so much more. Now, will those things become law? Probably not with the Senate still in the Democrats' control. Okay, You need to understand that. This is purely, and McCarthy even said that himself, this is purely about passing legislation to show the American people what the Republican Party could do if they had both houses of Congress. Well, maybe if you had been doing all of this to begin with, maybe you would have both houses of Congress. But I digress. Uh, let's see, Lauren Bobert says, here's what I hope America saw this week. The first, the first one has nothing to do with politics. It's this, a few voices can make a big difference. This isn't just about politics. If you're a mom or a student, a truck driver or a server, if you believe in something and stand and will stand by that belief, you can make a meaningful change. Two, Congress has been broken. From the way that we spend money to the way Pelosi consolidated power to the speakership, it's broken. And House conservatives are working to fix it. It's all true. Three, it's better to get things right than to get them quickly. Four, when Congress actually functions as intended, when we're all on the floor debating a path forward, the result is far better for the American people than when government is done behind closed doors. This past week, we, do, we, all, we all delivered on the promises that we made to our constituents. They told us Congress is broken and we promise to work on fixing it. We've done just that, but we've got more to deliver on. We will work to close the southern border, increase domestic energy production, lower government spending, curb inflation, and so much more. From the Speaker's office to my more moderate colleagues, even those I exchanged some tough words with, we will all work together to deliver conservative solutions on those issues for the American people. Um, She says she wanted to close with one, basically responding to one criticism that she got, and has been cast on uh, what took place this week. Joe Biden said this has been embarrassing for Republicans. And I've told you before, anybody saying that, I'm sorry, but they're amateurs. It really really hasn't been. I know that a lot of people just wanted it to function, but you have to understand something. As power has been stripped away from you and me, and consolidated into positions that were never meant to be this powerful, like the Speaker of the House, as Pelosi has done. And it wasn't just Pelosi, but she just made much more strides in power um, over her last stint than even previous speakers did. But they've all been kind of adding to their power base. The Speaker of the House is not supposed to be that powerful. You know, they're they're more of a, a mediator and moderator than the leader, if you will. But that's just not how it's been functioning. We've gotten so used to this idea that something has to happen quickly and efficiently or else it's it's gone haywire. And that's not how our system of government was ever designed. And it's important that people remember that. The left is always trying to ram through really bad legislation fast, and then they paint this, this dark, dystopian vision of what's going to happen if it's not done immediately and and, you know if you even have the audacity to stand up and go nobody's even read the legislation yet well we don't have time to read it we've got to pass this now and then they do things like go on vacation when they don't have the votes and they're gone for a week and a half and everything else and it's just it's like okay it clearly wasn't that important how many times we've done those stories over the years they tell you like this has to be passed right now absolutely now and it gets passed and the president's gone on vacation for a week or two and it doesn't get signed into law and everybody's like oh everything's great now yeah i passed everything's cool it's like okay well i thought i thought it had to be done right that second or else people are going to die or something it's always nonsense you're always always doesn't matter who the party is folks you're always being sold a bill of goods from dc by and large you're being sold a bill of goods from the state as well it's just automatically assume that if people are painting it in in dire straits, that you probably aren't in dire straits. You can probably pause and take a look at it. what they're trying to do is they're trying to do this rush sale on you. We have to do this now, 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 now. It's a high pressure sale, is what it is. And you will fall into the trap, as the American people have fallen into this trap that if it doesn't get done right now, then we're all gonna, you know, we're gonna lose out somehow, or there's gonna be some catastrophe. There really isn't. Yeah, McCarthy wasn't popular and isn't popular with the Republican base of the party. That's clear. There isn't any polls out there that show that he is. His conservative rating in two-thirds of the big conservative scorecard groups are F ratings, not just an F, but like low F, 53 and 54%. You, know, you look at it and it's like with one of them with a heritage scorecard, I think he's got a 54% but his, his that's his lifetime score, but his score from the last session was 88%. It's almost like he's just doing things suddenly right now to make you think that he's a conservative guy. He's been manipulating the last session of Congress. Now, time's going to tell if McCarthy becomes a good speaker, but I'm, I'm not holding out much hope. However, what has basically happened here is the Speaker of the House, which had, Multiple speakers consolidating power, and Pelosi did the most of that, but multiple speakers consolidating power to control Congress with the Speaker of the House, that has moved away and has gone to the committees now. So the committees are going to have much more power about what bills get out and get onto a floor vote. If if the Speaker of the House didn't like a bill, a bill didn't get out of committee and it didn't get onto the floor because the Speaker of the House killed it. That... Is not supposed to be able to happen now. Will it? Meh, I guess we'll find out. I guess it all depends on how the how the uh, Republicans hold McCarthy to the fire. But you have to understand something: if if a committee goes through, they have a bill that's popular, it's going to pass the committee. May even have the votes on the floor. The Speaker of the House could shut it down before. Now the idea is the Speaker can't shut it down. It will get a floor vote. That's the idea. Um, so a lot of concessions were made. So Lauren Boebert there with a very interesting take on this. And I know that a lot of you really want to know Trump's involvement in all of this because he was involved. And also, you know, you want to hear from Matt Gates, who's the guy who led this. And I think that we'll play you. Well, I don't think that we'll play. We will play you. But I think you want to hear from Matt Gates because I think what he said was pretty interesting. Um, so Matt Gates gave an interview with Fox News. We'll play that for you coming up in just a minute. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. So I just picked up that new, the new blender thing. What is that new blender thing? I forget the name of it. Like I think it's like Blendjet or something like that. It's the thing that's supposed to be like a little pocket blender. I picked one of those up today because they're, now they're all on sale from the inflated holiday Christmas pricing. Now they're back down to like reasonable prices. So I picked one up today and immediately brought it into the studio and threw my protein from Nutrition HQ into it. And um, yeah, I it, it's even better than the other mixer that I had so it's like nice and foamy now, which that's just how I like drinking it. It's just got more texture. It's richer. It's more like a milkshake than actually like drinking protein powder. But it helps when you have a protein that tastes like ice cream. So I'm rocking the, uh, the pistachio ice cream flavor from Nutrition HQ. Go to NHQ. They're on Grape Road. Uni- not, not, not University Plaza. They're on Grape Road. Sorry. In Mishawaka, 5804 Grape Road. You can also go online at nhqsb.com. Use promo code KC20 at checkout. When you go into the store, just mention me. You get a discount on the protein, the supplements, anything else in there. Um, So definitely check them out. New year, new you. Get the right products to help you meet your goals. Nutrition HQ. All right. A lot of people were perplexed by Donald Trump supporting uh, Speaker McCarthy. Look, I'm perplexed by a lot of it. Former President Donald Trump played a vital role behind the scenes in bringing about a compromise among House Republicans to elect Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. Lawmakers um, and a source familiar with the matter told Breitbart News all of this. Um, By the way, Breitbart was all in for McCarthy. On the historic 15th ballot for the speakership on Friday night, McCarthy finally sealed the deal and garnered the votes necessary for the position, although he never did get to 218. I did have somebody come up to me today and ask me to kind of explain this. So when you have people who vote present, but they haven't openly supported another candidate, then it's like that person doesn't exist, okay? So when you vote present, you actually remove that person from the total rolls of Congress. So if you need to get to 218, that's because you need a majority. If you need to get to 218 to win, but you remove yourself As six people did, now he only needed to get to 216, and that's ultimately what happened. He got to 216, Um, only because when you vote present, you're just not counted in the total of representatives. So anyway, uh, chief among those responsible for forging a compromise was Trump, according to several members of the GOP, uh, Jim Jordan. Who will chair the Judiciary Committee in the 118th Congress and was a crucial player in these negotiations? Lauded Trump for his work helping to bring about a deal. This doesn't get done without the support and leadership of President Trump, he said. Uh, Representative Byron Donalds, Re- Republican of Florida, also acknowledged the 45th president's role in negotiations while speaking with reporters on Friday, noting that he has played a good part in all of this. And of course, um, Byron Donalds is the one that they were nominating as an alternative to McCarthy. I want you to understand this is a process of the members of Congress, and so this is something where the members have had a lot of time around each other to try to get comfortable, have real conversations, and get to an outcome. Uh, Donald uh, Donald's supported McCarthy on the first day of voting, but once it became apparent that he didn't have the votes, he began voting against him and was even nominated for the position in opposition to McCarthy by, on numerous ballots. Another source familiar with the matter indicated that Trump had been engaged in the process as early December, making phone calls throughout the month to whip votes and consolidate support behind McCarthy. Um, There is video that was shared from Congress that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene retweeted that showed her getting a phone call from DT and handing it to McCarthy while the votes were happening. And, you know, he's he's been supportive of McCarthy through this process and really Trump has been supportive of McCarthy from the very, the very big, um, you know, very beginning of this. So yeah, it just, you know, it, you're going to have to deal with that. You know, a lot of people felt that McCarthy was the only guy and maybe McCarthy will, will be the guy that, you know, you wanted. I, it's just, again, his entire career has not proven that. So I remain skeptical. Now a lot of people want to know what Matt Gates was thinking on all of this and that's a it's a great point but as i highlighted last week you know the one thing that we do know is we know that i'm going to call them the resistance for the sake of it um the resistance to mccarthy they were all proven correct and everybody else is proven wrong so all of the talking heads all of the conservative radio hosts all the pundits the politicians everybody who said that they were wasting their time and they're holding up this the concessions that they got have completely changed the way that Congress runs, in my opinion, for the better. As long as they're upheld the way that they're written out, that's that's the thing that I'm I'm looking at. It looks like it was a massive improvement, and so their their strategy, even though it might have annoyed some people, paid off. So at the end of the day, I mean, might as well just go ahead and figure out what uh, what Matt Gates, you know, has to say about all you get my audio, please. This is Matt Gates. He sat down with Fox News. Um, this is a longer audio clip than I'd like to play. But I think you should hear the entire thing from Matt Gates himself on why this happened, how it happened, what they secured and going forward. You know what's I mean, somebody lunged at him for crying out loud. Uh, what what happens now?
0: STUDIO BY FLORIDA REPUBLICAN CONGRESSMAN AND MEMBER OF THE HOUSE ARMED SERVICES AND JUDICIARY Committees, MATT GATES. WELCOME CONGRESSMAN, GREAT TO HAVE YOU.
1: GOOD TO BE
2: WITH YOU. SO IS IT WORTH it ALL GOING 15 ROUNDS TO ELECT A SPEAKER? ABSOLUTELY. WE GOT CONCESSIONS THAT REALLY WERE BEING REJECTED AS EARLY AS MONDAY. WHEN IT COMES TO BEING ABLE TO READ LEGISLATION 72 HOURS BEFORE ITS ADOPTION, individual appropriations bills mm-hmm. and ultimately what we negotiated ensures that we will never again have a circumstance like this omnibus spending legislation because bills will have to comport to a single subject there will be germanity requirements on amendments and so it's going to be an open process a transparent process i'm thrilled at where the house of representatives is today
0: you recorded as saying the construct of these rules concessions
2: functionally turn the speakership into a ceremonial position do you mean that Well, Speaker McCarthy is our speaker, and long live the speaker. I look forward to working closely with him. But he did agree to his great credit to democratize power, to the membership Mm -hmm. oftentimes these committees that decide what bills come to the floor what the spending paradigm is they're controlled just by people loyal to the speaker now what we have is a real representation of all of the different viewpoints within our conference on the rules committee on the appropriations committee we fought hard to get agreements to have conservatives on those committees to have our budget hawks on appropriations, and I can't wait to see what we're able to do when we unlock the potential of all of our members going forward.
0: What about the concern that this delayed process weakened him? And to recap, we've got a Democrat in the White House. We've got Democrats running the United States Senate. Don't you need him, him to be as strong as possible?
2: Well, I think the way to have a strong Republican position on a lot of these issues is to have strong Republicans on the most relevant committees and I don't really get the critique that taking from Tuesday to Friday to work this out puts the Republican majority in peril I mean you know Mike that in this summer the entire Congress takes like six weeks off where we're not even around at all so to take four days to figure out who's going to be second in line to the presidency and to ensure that we have a House of Representatives that is a fighting force going to check the biden administration absolutely worth it
0: up next is the rules package the governing rules for the next two years in the house of
2: representatives any drama there i don't expect it i think this is an exquisite rules package and you know members of Congress, even speakers, we pass through these positions and move on to other things. But oftentimes, when you make the rules better, you can actually improve the health of the institution long term. Some of these rules will allow us to zero in on specific elements of federal spending and force votes on whether or not that is an appropriate use of tax dollars. Also baked into these rules we're going to vote on, a church-style commission to evaluate the weaponization of this government against our people. That's the FBI, the doj but even other entities that we see abusing their power to the detriment of the liberty of our citizens this is going to give us more staff more resources and we're going to get government back on the side of the american people
0: there was a tense moment late night friday night when congressman mike rogers expected to be the next chairman of house armed services confronted you you guys both serve on the armed services committee what was that all about, and are you guys going to be able to work together on armed services?
2: Well, Mike Rogers is going to be a terrific chairman of the Armed Services Committee, and we share a deep commitment to our national defense, to our men and women in uniform. And, of course, in a late-night moment of high drama, people can have moments of frustration. But Mike Rogers and I have a six-year productive uh, working relationship we're going to work together wonderfully going forward and i don't think there should be any punishment or reprisal just because he had an animated moment he has my forgiveness and uh, certainly is someone who's done great things for our national defense and will continue to do those great things
0: you've taken some praise from people who like the fight that you led this week uh you've also taken some criticism some people saying this is about fundraising this is
2: about more media appearances do you consider yourself a serious legislator Well, absolutely i mean one of the reasons we fought for these rules was to ensure that all members of congress can get involved in the legislative process at a more granular level for far too many years under both republican and democrat control power has been centralized in a select few and that's not good for the republic. Uh, I am not one that's really dearth for a lot of media appearances. I think I'm someone who appears on your network and others more than any other member of Congress. So it's an odd criticism to say that I'm doing this for media hits when I do a lot of those anyway. And even before this episode, I was one of the top fundraisers in Congress, despite the fact that I'm one of the only Republicans in Congress who doesn't accept any lobbyist money or any political action committee donations, because I believe our politics is most pure when it is funded by the people of our country, not those who are paid to try to influence outcomes. Congressman Matt Gaetz.
1: So Matt Gates. I mean, honestly, I think he handled that interview very well. I think it was uh, good questions were asked of him, including one that was meant to address how people were criticizing Matt Gates, But you know, and honestly, the only person that I think actually clowned themselves throughout this entire thing was Representative Mike Rogers, who has apologized, um, and he himself has posted that he and Matt Gates are good, and he says he regrets that he briefly lost his temper on the House floor. And he appreciates Matt's kind understanding, so they've they've squashed it at least professionally, which is all that really matters. Um, but he's the only one who really made a fool of himself. You know, that's the problem Uh, that's forever going to be living in the the annals of history is him getting drug away with with I forget what the representative is who put his hand over his face. and was dragging him out of there um, just because he lost his temper. You know, it's it's not a good look and it didn't come off well. Uh, I think the two people who came off looking the worst um, are going to are going to be Matt Rogers, not Matt Rogers. Uh, what is the uh, Mike Rogers? My apologies. Sorry, Matt Gates, Mike Rogers. Mike Rogers and then Dan Crenshaw. Uh, we'll address Dan Crenshaw here in, in a little bit. We got more coming up. you Talk 95, 3, Michiana's News Channel, NNC News Times. This time. is Michiana's breaking news and weather station. M-N-C. From the first step to the final phase industrial and commercial electrical done right. Casey Hendrickson. And Good afternoon, thank you for tuning in, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. I do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Let them know I sent you. We are live streaming on Rumble and Odyssey. You can watch on both. Some people prefer Rumble. Rumble's got a revamped website. Everything is completely new. The apps, from what I understand, have not been updated yet. Odyssey is preferred by many because uh, more interactive chat. Uh, so you can go check either one of those out rumble.com slash casey the host or odyssey at casey the host. And uh, Odyssey is spelled O D Y S E E. It's it's spelled weird, but that's it's a great platform though. All right, what do we got here? This is an article from the Federalist. Gonna be a lot from the Federalist today. From John Boehner to Paul Ryan to McCarthy, House conservatives are gradually shocking Republican leadership into representing their own voters. When the GOP failed to win back a major margin in the House, members of the Freedom Caucus did the math and realized that they could flex some muscle. Even before Election Day, McCarthy had courted the House Freedom Caucus, as was reported back in October. He made friends of Representatives Jim Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Greene. He talked about reversing certain Pelosi-era power grabs. Indeed, this is exactly what frustrated members such as Representative Dan Crenshaw. From their perspective, the Freedom Caucus went into the Speaker's vote having already won. That's actually true, but it's also true that they won even bigger as the week wore on. Those two points are not mutually exclusive, though it seemed like the baby might get thrown out with the bathwater more than once. And that's, you know, Crenshaw did basically say that. He's like, you know, he's already made concessions to them. What more do they want? Well, they wanted more. And they had the power to get more. And this was something, though, that was frustrating other members of the Republican Party. It appeared to them that the Freedom Caucus members who were engaging in this, originally it was 19, then it was 20, then it was 21, that they kept moving the goalposts. So they would ask for something, McCarthy would give it to them, and then they would move the goalposts again to see what else they could get. And that was frustrating to some of them. The fundraising emails that went out from some members of the Freedom Caucus also frustrated other members of Congress. I can see all of those sides, okay? It all makes sense. I understand why everybody feels the way that they feel. But as I've said before, it's very important that Republicans, who are going to be ideologically aligned for the most part, um, that they not burn those bridges. That's where I was really upset with Dan Crenshaw. I felt that he was burning bridges again, and he didn't really need to burn any more bridges because, frankly, he's he's really done a number on his reputation because he was one of the people who's most popular among the conservative base of the party, and now he's not. While the political establishment preferred to focus on personalities and melodrama, the concessions that the Freedom Caucus members managed to wring out of McCarthy are shockingly consequential. Without another speaker candidate waiting in the wings, serious negotiators like Representative Chip Roy knew that they had the upper hand and could push the GOP establishment much further than anyone imagined. They just achieved more in the last week than any other group of conservatives has in years, according to a senior congressional aide. They knew the power of their vote, and they had held together until they negotiated an acceptable agreement. Again, the version of McCarthy that would have taken the gavel had the Freedom Caucus not played hardball would already have constituted a win for them. But what they ended up getting became something much bigger. So, again, you've got a, you've got a pretty big list here. Um, only a single congressperson acting in, in what is known as a Jeffersonian motion may file a a motion to remove the Speaker if he or she goes back on their word or policy agenda. The church-style committee will be convened to look into the weaponization of the FBI and other government organizations, presumably the CIA, um, the subject of the original church committee against the American people. Number three, term limits will be put up for a vote. You know how huge that is? And again, it it may not pass. It's not going to pass the Senate. But it's going to be voted on. And everybody on both sides of the aisle has been desperately trying to get that done. Bills presented to Congress will be single subject, not omnibus with all the attendant earmarks, and there will be a 72-hour minimum period to read them. This is massive. If that holds, now we'll figure out if they find out a convenient little way to get around that. If that holds, that is huge. No hiding you know all sorts of nonsense for your your pork barrel spending and things like that single issues single subject bills none of these big omnibus bills we've had an issue with budget and omnibus bills for years now and it needs to stop we need to get back to being able to actually file a budget not deal with omnibus bills just you know have these have these things together to where we can go ahead and go all right we want to fund the military right now let's fund the military we're not worried about You know, subsidies to the syrup industry in Vermont, as is a real thing that happened. We're dealing with defense now. That's what we're dealing with. So single subject, not single issue. That is important. So if you're going to have a farm bill, it's going to be about farming. If you're going to have a defense bill, it's going to be about defense spending. You're not going to add in all of this other nonsense that's not related to those bills. Uh, the Texas border plan will be put before Congress, uh, which is a four-pronged plan. It aims to complete the physical border, fix border enforcement policies, enforce the laws of the Interior, and target cartels and criminal organizations. All COVID mandates will be ended. They'll they'll vote on it, okay? And uh, as will all funding of those mandates, including the emergency funding. And number seven. Uh, Budget bills would stop the endless increases in the debt ceiling and hold the Senate accountable for the same, meaning if you want to raise the debt ceiling, that's fine. But you need to cut spending elsewhere to raise it really is that simple. Uh, So there's these are huge concessions, folks, and and I cannot understate how important and impactful they are. And what's going to happen now, if you haven't already heard it, you're going to hear all of the conservative radio hosts over the next week or so who trashed these 21 members of Congress. You're going to hear them go. Well, these concessions are really good. They're amazing. I've already seen some of them on like Kurt Schlichter. He basically said, "All right, I was I was too harsh on them," after seeing what they actually got in concessions. Um, I, I you know I regret what I said about them. Uh, so there's others that are looking at this and going, "Yeah, okay, uh, probably a little too harsh on them," and yeah, you were. Do I understand the frustration? Sure. Um, you know, like I said, you know, Dan Crenshaw and others that I that I've I've heard and and I've even spoken with. Yeah, I spoke with Rudy, <clears throat> and I was asking him what he thought about all of it, and he was kind of explaining to me like what some of the people were were upset about. Um, and it made sense why they were upset. It really did. But like I said, you know, there has to come a time where you make promises to your constituency. There has to come a time where you finally put your foot down and say, no, you're going to do what you promised to do because we're sick and tired of voting, uh, getting voted in and not doing the things that we promised, and everybody getting mad at all of us. And then next thing you know, we knew, we lose the next election. Just, I don't know why this is so hard. Donald Trump did something that politicians don't do. He did what he said he was going to do. And everybody's running around. The left was furious that he was keeping his promises. The right was ecstatic that he was keeping his promises. His detractors on the right were pleasantly surprised that he was keeping his promises and what happened here is the freedom caucus said all right we're going to do the same we're going to keep our promises and we promised that we were going to do some things and we haven't heard anybody talk about doing those things and frankly we don't think that that's going to happen unless we secure it in writing and so that's exactly what they did all right we do have to talk about dan crenshaw we'll talk about that coming up news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel casey hendrickson <laughs> And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. NFL Wild Card Weekend is finally here. The easiest way to get into the playoffs is with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And we we're just talking about this during the break. I mean, what Lovey Smith did in his final game as the coach of the Houston Texans, and the fact that him winning that game in the fashion that he wanted. <laughs> which is basically a giant bleep you to the the city of Houston. Not the city, the franchise of the Houston Texans. And it benefited his old team. The Chicago Bears just makes me smile. But I don't think that FanDuel allowed you to bet on the coach's player prop, but they do allow you to bet on player props. And if you're a new customer, you can join today. Get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. That's all it takes. Just sign up with promo code Casey. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets, from the money line to the point spreads, player props, and more. Again, go to FanDuel, download the app. It's safe. It's easy to use. Sign up with promo code Casey for your uh, first—place your first $5 bet. Get $150 in free bets. Whether you win or lose, make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or over and present in Indiana. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, please get help. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, so we got to talk about Dan Crenshaw. Uh, Dan Crenshaw, um, he's issued an apology and he's basically sorry for calling people terrorists and and that sort of stuff and look i I want to play cue, cue the audio please i I want to play this I want you to hear Dan Crenshaw in his own words and how he said it um he's I think it's a step in the right direction. I don't think it's enough because he's still not really acknowledging what happened, but I want you to listen to it from his own mouth but th- things get heated and things get said uh, but, uh obviously to the people who took offense by
0: that it's pretty obvious that it's meant as a turn of phrase in the in it's the a con- it's a metaphor you know it's in the context of intransient negotiations I look I, I've got pretty thick skin I'm called awful vile things by kind of the very same wing of the party that 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 I'm fighting I was fighting at that moment so I, I was a little taken aback by by the uh, sensitivity yeah by the sensitivity of it but um, to the extent that I had colleagues that were that were offended by it, I sincerely apologize to them. I don't want them to think I actually believe they're terrorists. It's clearly a turn of phrase that you use in what is an intransient
1: negotiation. All right. So he's saying it's a turn of phrase. And his, his basic defense of that is, look, uh, these 20 other people have called me far worse. I've got thick skin. I don't think that Dan Crenshaw's record is having thick skin. Um, Dan Crenshaw has lashed out after being um, disagreed with many, many times, and he lashes out in a very angry way. So he doesn't come off as somebody who has thick skin. He comes off as somebody who has very thin skin, uh, very soft, well-moisturized thin skin. So – that's a bit of a problem. I don't necessarily agree with his phraseology there that he has thick skin, but but his excuse is, I was just a turn of phrase. I wasn't actually calling them terrorists, you know. But he really didn't apologize to the people that he called terrorists. He he apologized to colleagues, and you know, it's like I, you know, obviously that's not what I meant, that sort of thing. But let's not forget, you know, when he was originally kind of called out for using this language, he told everybody to stop pearl clutching and stop being butt hurt. Pearl clutching is a quote. The butthurt thing is, is me saying basically what he was saying. So, you know, this is a guy who wasn't remorse, remorseful about saying it. And I commented under that post. And I'm like, look, you you, you, you crossed a line. I know that he didn't read it. He doesn't, Well, maybe you read it, but he doesn't care. You crossed a line. Just apologize for it and move on. I mean, everybody's angry. You got one guy tried to attack Matt Gates for crying out loud. They've squashed their beef. Uh, You got this, you know, the video of Dan Crenshaw talking with Matt Gates um, and and they were being very cordial with one another talking on the night that that uh, that uh, McCarthy actually won the vote, you know, but Crenshaw's got busted knuckles. It looked like he'd been punching walls and that's that's not a good look either. If he's punching walls over this stuff because really, honestly, it really wasn't that big of a deal. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. WTRC f News From the first step to the final phase. Industrial and commercial electrical done right.
0: Chicken.
1: Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Um, most, most people right now in the live stream not accepting Dan Crenshaw's apology. And again, had this been just a one-time thing, he might be able to use some of the political capital that he had and kind of say, you know what, yeah, we were getting emotional, I was frustrated, and I used a turn of phrase that I shouldn't have used, and I apologize about that. That's not how he issued the, the apology. But if he had done that, and he didn't have a history of doing things, and maybe, just maybe, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Uh, the problem is that Dan Crenshaw now has a record, and this this isn't sitting well with the base. Like I've said before, I don't know that his reputation is going to recover, and and again, overall, as a Congressperson, Dan Crenshaw is not a bad one. Um, he's somebody that I used to really really like personally, even though I didn't agree with him every on everything politically, but. Um, he's still been a decent Congressperson. The problem is, on a lot of big issues, I have a complete opposite opinion of him, and those are really big issues. They're not minor little things that I can overlook. They're huge issues, and huge issues add up quite a bit. So I'm not sure he can recover from this. And, you know, we'll see. we'll see. He's in a very conservative district, and he's got two years to to go ahead and resolidify his base. We'll see what happens. So if you go to 95.3mnc.com right now, the resolution calling for reparatory justice has been removed from the South Bend Common Council agenda. This is the reparations thing. Uh, We teased this on Friday. We kind of talked about it when we heard that it was going to be introduced, that it was actually on the agenda for today. So we're going to talk about it for today, but it's been removed from the agenda. The resolution to consider reparations was removed from the South Bend Common Council agenda before today's meeting. It's a move that Black Lives Matter South Bend calls obstructionist political tactics, which they're famous for, um, deployed by Council President Sharon McBride and Council Vice President Sheila Nizgadsky. The two issued a statement saying that the standard practices and procedures require that every resolution, quote, be accompanied by a separate cover letter from the party initiating the resolution, that provides specific information about the bill, including the House, the bill sponsor, excuse me, uh, a requested committee to hear the bill and dates at which the sponsor would like the bill to be heard. However, the resolution calling for repertory justice did not have an accompanying cover letter, did not identify who is tendering the resolution, or include any other information required. After consulting with the common Council attorney, and the city clerk was instructed to remove the proposed resolution from the agenda now it could come up again in two weeks so it's possible everything's just got to be put together so henry davis jr's got to get everything together and and uh and move it and like i you know there's a couple of things that we can do to talk about this one we can do the whole reparations thing and here's the thing everybody everybody knows reparations are stupid even people who advocate for them it's a, a simple easy money grab That's all it is. It is designed to whip people up into a frenzy, try and get money out there when you don't get it, claim that you're oppressed again. That's all it really is. But, when I was talking about this the other day, honestly, don't people who support reparations actually have a strong position in the city of South Bend? Not in general. In general, the idea of reparations is utterly ridiculous. But, if your mayor made it a central point of his campaign that South Bend is a systemically racist city, going back, Democrats have have been running the city complete control on the council and and the mayorship since before I was born. So if the argument is, because that's the argument they made against Sean Haas, Sean Haas was asked if he thought that South Bend was systemically racist. He said he didn't think it was. And Mayor Mueller said that it, it is 100 percent systemically racist. Okay, why did the Democrats make South Bend systemically racist? It's run is run by Democrats in the council. It's run by Democrats in the mayorship. Um, you know, so what what is it about the Democrats running the city of South Bend that's made it systemically racist? Why haven't the Democrats who've controlled it for you know almost 50 years? Why haven't they fixed what is systemically racist about the city? And considering the entire Democratic Party pearl-clutched on this and attacked Sean Haas over this issue, doesn't that make the position that Henry Davis Jr. is making that reparations are owed in the city of South Bend, doesn't that make that position stronger? How can you say, no, we can't give reparations while simultaneously saying that you rule over a systemically racist city? (laughs) mean, <laughs> you know again, from the the purely logical standpoint, reparations are dumb. nobody takes them seriously, especially the people who file these things but but if your entire playbook as the the Democratic party here has has made it St Joseph County Democratic Party, if your entire playbook is that South Bend is systemically racist has always been systemically racist and continues to be systemically racist, how could you possibly deny a motion for reparations? Wouldn't wouldn't that kind of back you into a corner? What's going to happen if this gets introduced and the Democrats in South Bend say no to reparations because they control everything? The Democrats say no to reparations while simultaneously saying the South Bend is a systemically racist city under their control for nearly five decades. How's that going to look with the Democrat voter base, particularly the black voter base, in the city of South Bend? So from that position, I appreciate the strategy. I don't I don't know if Henry Davis Jr. was thinking about it that way, but, I mean, that's the position that he's in. The position he's in is that well, you told me that this was a racist city that was oppressing black people, so let's do some uh, reparations then. And it's going to be the Democratic Party who would vote against them or they will vote to approve them. Well, I guess we'll have to see. So this, this, again, can come up in a couple of weeks. The details of all of this. All right, 95.3 MNC.com, including a statement from Black Lives Matter South Bend. Um, go look at it. Have a couple of chuckles. Laugh hysterically about a few things. And then think about what I said, because I think that's the most interesting aspect of this. Not the reparations fight. Reparations fight's always dumb. But the fact that the Democrats are now in a position to say, no, 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 reparations are not good when they have been basically campaigning on them. And aligning themselves with groups like Black Lives Matter that are all about reparations. That could be fun to watch politically. I'm not going to lie. Could be very entertaining. Now, speaking of reparations, let's take a look at California, People's Republic of. A few weeks ago, nine member California Reparations Task Force estimated that black state residents could receive more than $223,000 each in reparations for the enduring economic effects of racism and slavery now of course who pays the reparations in South Bend in California well the taxpayer does to put that amount in perspective it has been estimated that it would cost around 569 billion dollars to compensate the two and a half million black Californians that total is more than California's 512.8 billion dollar expenditure in 2021 in other words California's more than double, going more than double uh their going to more than double their expenditures if the reparations thing goes through. Okay. And that's again, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh now the chair of California's reparations task force has said that black people are really owed a million dollars each for quote harms. So the two hundred twenty-three thousand dollars. That the task force came up with not good enough. It, they, they, she wants it to be a million bucks for every black person in California. Um, what's interesting is that MSNBC, uh Kamala Moore actually talked with Reverend Al Sharpton. I I spoke with Reverend Al Sharpton about this a number of years ago. He was doing his radio show out of my studio in Las Vegas, out of KXT. And So I had him on the show. We talked about the reparations issue, and and Al Sharpton, just like pretty much everybody else who you confront about the reparations issue, doesn't really have an answer for you on why is it my responsibility as somebody whose ancestors weren't even in the country when your ancestors dealt with this, if your ancestors dealt with this. Because remember, here's the uncomfortable truth. A lot of black people's ancestors didn't deal with slavery in the United States. But again, there's no answer to it. There's just oh well, you know, just the the, you know, the structure of it uh, has held us back this entire time. Again, another uncomfortable truth here. One of the reasons that there is racial friction between the black community and Asians throughout this country and the black community and Jews throughout this country is that Jewish people and Asian people are an inconvenient reminder that saying The bigotrous institution of slavery is why you can't succeed today. It doesn't play out for Jewish people and Asian people who dealt with a lot. And in many parts of the country, California in particular, what the Chinese went through was almost as bad as what many blacks went through. Um, it, It is... Again, it's an inconvenient reminder that you can't just lean on that forever. There are societies and communities that have gone through that horrible bigotry, and they came right out of it, and they've succeeded. And so it it becomes very, very uncomfortable. Um, So you do see, generally speaking, um, you can look at the research on this. You do see that in large swaths of the black community, you see an animus towards Asians and an animus towards Jews. And it appears to be rooted in that whole historical oppressive argument. Um, It's certainly dwindling. Thank God we want it to dwindle. But it is still nonetheless a very big issue, particularly among low income black Americans in some parts of the country, not everywhere, but in some parts of the country. We see it in San Francisco all the time. Who's attacking Asian people in San Francisco? It's not white people. It's not Republicans, not Trump supporters. It is predominantly black men. That's who's doing it. Um, Unprovoked, appear to be random. They scream racial slurs. It just comes out of nowhere. If you look at the, the amount of people who commit hate crimes against Asians around the country, it is by a wide and vast margin those hate crimes are committed by black Americans, mostly men. So where does that animus come from? Most people believe, and there's some some academic research that seems to suggest that the animus that seems to exist between those three groups of people appear to be because of their oppression in the past and their current status in society. Is that a fair reason for that animus? No, I don't think so, Um, but a lot of people will use anything as an excuse to hate somebody else, so it just tends to be something that we see commonplace. Like I said before, um, especially in the case of South Bend, um, in the case of California, when you're when you're sitting there and you're looking at the entire world and you're going, "We're racist. We still oppress, you know, these people in our society." Now, how how then can you turn around and go, "Yeah, yeah, but you don't deserve reparations." No, no, no we're not going to give you reparations. But you just said you were continuing to oppress me. Why can't I have reparations because you're continuing to oppress me? It becomes a very difficult argument for people to to say. Now, what I hope happens from this is I hope that many black Americans look at this and understand that the people who are talking about reparations are not serious. The people who say, yes, you're still oppressed, they're not serious. They're just using it as a way to control you. And they are not at all serious about what they're saying. It is purely a lie to get your vote. That's all it is. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey
0: Hendrickson.
1: At 953MNC.com. I'm Laura Smith. I'm John Zimney.
0: We're back for a full week of Michiana's Morning News, first thing Monday morning on 95.3MNC.
1: And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I wonder how many people don't consume enough water because the water that comes out of our tap tastes like the dirty backside of a gorilla because that's what the water tastes like in the city of Elkhart. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the city of Elkhart is trying to poison everybody. I don't know any any specifics and I don't have any proof of it, but God, is it awful. You turn your faucet on and y- you never go to a hotel pool on a busy, like, uh, convention weekend and the hotel pool has just been saturated with chlorine and it just Emanates particularly if it's an indoor pool and you just, you open the door to the indoor pool and it just smells like chlorine. That's what the water is like in the city of Elkhart, and I'm sure that their answer to that is, "Oh, we're just trying to kill bacteria and stuff." Yeah, it's it's just bad. It doesn't taste good. It's not good for you. you, you yeah, you shouldn't be consuming that stuff. So the alternative is to buy bottled water, right? Which is expensive and it's annoying because it takes up a ton of space. You can get pitchers, which you have to refill, and inevitably you'll have—how many people are in my house? You'll have four people who don't refill the pitcher, and you're the only one who does, and then you never have clean water. Um, so inevitably, you don't drink enough water. You're like, yeah, forget it. I'll just drink whiskey instead. That's not the healthiest lifestyle in the world. It's the funnest lifestyle, but not the healthiest. So I contacted Spencer's Quality Water. said, enough of this. I want good water. I don't want any calcium stains and deposits, and I don't want any iron stains on my toilet I'm tired of my water constantly smelling like a dirty swimming pool. I want to be able to drink my water. I want to be able to get my water intake in, not suffer about it, actually enjoy a cup of water, and not have stains on all of my appliances. So Spencer's Quality Water came out. They did a a water assessment, took about 15 minutes or so, found the right spot to put a water softening system in for the entire house and a reverse osmosis system so I can get clean water in my kitchen sink. And it has been a game-changer. I don't have bottles of water everywhere. I don't have that pitcher taking up a good chunk of my refrigerator space. I don't have to worry about any of that anymore. My appliances are cleaner. My toilet isn't stained anymore. The the toilet water doesn't have that weird irony smell to it anymore. Everything is better. It has been a complete game changer in my my lifestyle. Call Spencer's Quality Water today, 574-277-1111. 574-277-1111. Make sure you let them know that I sent you. Get your free water assessment. Have them come out and test your water for you, particularly in Elkhart and Granger. Granger's bad too, right, John? John's nodding his head. Granger water's awful, which is weird. You're in the magical pixie land of, of Granger. Why do you have such bad water? Because you don't have Spencer's Quality Water. That's why. Spencer's Quality Water, 574-277-1111. Mention me, and you get, uh, with your salt delivery, you get your free uh, first three bags of salt for free. Okay. <laughs> Do like, I do like, pick. I like Granger. I just like picking on Granger. It's just fun for me, but, but I do like Granger. <clears throat> all right. Uh, what do we got here? Well, wouldn't you know this? How many times have I gone over? How many American members of the press have gone over to communist China for the annual event that communist China has for American journalists and they sit them down and, and they preach to them about how amazing China is. And they don't really ever quite tell us all of the things that happen while they're there. The assumption is that a few of them get linked up with a fang-fang spy, just like uh, Swalwell did. Maybe a few of them get some ducats, some money, that sort of thing, in order to write very positive things about the Chinese Communist Party. And also just to write stories that are antagonistic to American society. It doesn't always have to be pro-China, pro-China, pro-China. Sometimes just low-key causing chaos. Roger Solenberger. He's a journalist responsible for dubiously sourced stories attacking high-profile conservatives like Herschel Walker and Matt Gates. He previously worked for a Chinese Communist Party-linked company, blacklisted by the U.S. government for its ties to the regime's military. Oh! So where does Solenberger work now? Ah, he's at the Daily Beast. Wouldn't you know it, the Daily Beast is always writing hit pieces about conservatives. Sullenberger's always writing hit pieces about conservatives— Sullenberger is constantly writing articles that are hit pieces on conservatives that have no actual information in them other than an anonymous source told me something. Right. Your anonymous source is Winnie the flu, the dictator of China. He's credited with breaking stories that targeted Georgia's Senate candidate, including reports about a secret son and allegations that he paid for a woman's abortion. Sullenberger was also responsible for an exclusive story accusing American Conservative Union chairman Matt Schlapp of, quote, groping a male staffer for Walker's campaign. Uh, described as a relative newcomer to urinalism, Sullenberger previously worked for the controversial Chinese Communist Party-linked drone company DJI. Now, I know some of you are like, DJI, but they make really good drones. They do. They, they just make drones for the Chinese Communist Party. In since 2017, China-based DJI has been flagged by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security as selectively targeting government and privately owned entities within these sectors to expand its ability to collect and exploit sensitive U.S. data. But don't worry, they make good drones, so you keep flying your DJI. These fears have prompted the U.S. Department of Interior to ground its entire DJI drone fleet, citing increasing concerns about the national security risk from Chinese manufacturers. The Department of Defense and the U.S. Army have also followed suit due to national security and data privacy concerns as DJI routinely complies with data sharing requests from the Chinese Communist Party. Can't have that. The Solenberger is a guy who, you know, works with them. Worked with them. Okay, He was an editorial director for uh, 3D Robotics, which is a California-based consumer drone company. Former competitor to DJI, 3DR ultimately partnered with the Chinese Communist Party-linked company in 2017. So, It's kind of interesting that you have these reporters who go to the Chinese retreat every year. They work for companies that are linked to China. And then everything that they do just seems to be pro-China and everybody who is critical of China is a bad guy. It's like it's right away. Those articles come out like right away. And you watch people just get brainwashed about this stuff. Um, When people go out there and they talk about COVID still, it's you know, they, they still they blame Trump for COVID still. Imagine blaming Trump for COVID in 2023. People still do. And when you point out that it came from China and that it came out of a Chinese lab and that it was the Chinese government who lied about it. And then it was the world health organization who lied about it all the way through mid January for a month. They lied to everybody and said it couldn't spread to people. Um, You start, you start to get a a pattern here and anybody who's critical of that, suddenly there's an attack article written about him in the daily beast and some other left-wing publication and, Ah, but 80 times, 8 times out of 10, 80% of the time. If you look at the journalist who wrote the article, you can find their name or at least somebody who is higher up than them at their organization went to that Chinese Communist Party annual journalist convention. Every time. It's weird how that works. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's news channel. MNC News Time is 4.33. It is time to impress somebody worth impressing with Impress Jewelry Creations.
0: Studios. from the first step to the final phase industrial and commercial electrical done right casey hendrickson
1: and good afternoon thank you for tuning in news talk 95 3 michiana's news channel i am your host casey hendrickson if you go to my uh, most of you know